Many times Catholics are often wrongly accused of being a church merely about laws or rules. Some avoid the Catholic Church for these very reasons and say that the church has man-made laws, so why would anyone want to be part of that church? But if we look closely at what the church believes, we begin to see that the Catholic Church is not about rules, but about following Jesus in our daily life and see what he lays out in that life, in him, and what that actually looks like. This weekend we begin in a normal year where Lent is a little bit later, a six-week study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is probably the most famous sermon of Jesus, and it encompasses three whole chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays out what it means to follow him and then what it means to seek the kingdom of God. St. Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo in Africa, wrote the first book, wrote his first book just on the Sermon on the Mount. It was a commentary on this very famous sermon. And it begins with these words. If anyone were to ponder with piety and seriousness the sermon which our Lord Jesus Christ gave on the mount, I believe that he would discover there, as far as norms for high moral living are concerned, the perfect way to lead the Christian life. If we follow the thought of St. Augustine that the sermon leads us on the way of Jesus, then we ought to take his words seriously and really try to understand what he is saying. So when we dive into this passage that we have, this first part of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, we have to understand a little bit of the context. When Jesus goes up the mountain, it's important to know what what the apostles would have seen this to mean. They would have seen how Jesus going up the mountain would be resembling how Moses went up the mountain. Moses went up the mountain in order to receive the law on the tablets of stone that God wrote on the stone. Moses brought them down the mountain to the people and gave them to the people at the base of the mountain. However, Jesus goes up the mountain, but he remains on the mountain to give his sermon from the top of the mountain to show that what he is giving is actually higher than the law of Moses. Now this doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments lose their meaning with us. What it means is that God is calling us to a higher law. For the Ten Commandments were for the earthly kingdom of Israel, But the eight Beatitudes that Jesus lays out in the first part of the Gospel of Matthew today are for our heavenly kingdom. And so this higher law leads us to blessedness. I think it's good for us to recall the very first paragraph of the Catechism at this point. The very first paragraph in the Catechism of the Catholic Church proclaims, I don't remember the whole thing, but the, but the very first line says, God who is blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness. God who is blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness 
and goes on to say how it lays out, the catechism lays out this plan that God has for us. But we first see that God is blessed. And so when Jesus is speaking about those who are blessed in our gospel today, in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, we see that this blessedness that Jesus is proclaiming is a blessedness of God in which we share. We share in that part when we live out the Beatitudes. So what is blessedness? The Greek word being translated in the gospel today is actually makarios, which means happy. That's the literal translation of the word. So when we read the Beatitudes, it's not just a list of blessings. It's actually a description of how to be happy. You could say it's the secret of happiness. And you can see this even more clearly when we look at the Latin translation of the Bible, because the Latin word is beatus, which means happy. So that's where we get the word beatitudes from. So this blessedness that we are called to is this blessing that we share in God, which is the plan of happiness, which is this plan for us to live in God and to seek happiness not only in the life to come, but in this life as well. And when we read our second reading today, we see that this life that we live in Christ Jesus is actually contrary, is almost opposite to what the world says will make us happy. If people accuse the Catholic Church of being only about the rules or the laws, we ought to point them to Matthew chapter 5, And remind them that we are actually about being happy. But also reminding them that happiness isn't just about feeling good. And it's not necessarily about the feelings always. Because feelings can betray us. They can lead us astray. Happiness is a knowledge of knowing what is right. And living in the truth of Jesus Christ. Living a life in Christ and being fulfilled here on earth and in the and in the life to come in heaven in the last 30 years some of the most happy people that I've ever seen in my life are mother teresa and john paul ii if we remember the story of mother teresa we found out after her death that she lived almost 50 years without having the feeling of the presence of God with her. Now imagine when you go to pray, and for 50 years you don't feel the presence of God in your prayer. If I lived 50 years that way, I don't know that I could remain faithful. But Mother Teresa, in the virtue of faith, remained faithful. And when you looked at Mother Teresa, her skin was all wrinkly. She wasn't the most beautiful person in the world. But when she smiled and her eyes lit up, she became the most beautiful person that you would ever see. And you see this happiness that would just flow out from her. This happiness because she lived this faithfulness 
in God and lived out the Beatitudes as God intends for us to live. When we see John Paul II, John Paul II had a knack for being able to preach the truth and to be able to convert hearts as he did so. Many priests in the church today were converted or had conversions because of the teaching and the preaching of John Paul II. And if you see video after video or picture after picture of John Paul II, his smile always radiated and it just drew you in. Because he knew the faithfulness of God and he lived in the blessedness of God that the Beatitudes call us to. As we dive deeper into the Beatitudes, St. Augustine says that the Beatitude of poverty, so the first Beatitude that is laid out in the Gospel, is the foundation for all of the rest of the Beatitudes, and all of them build on one another from there. And this poverty that is mentioned in the Gospel is not necessarily a material poverty, but a spiritual poverty, where we are keenly aware of the need for God's mercy. The poor, and the, the poor that Jesus mentioned, the poor in spirit, are the lowly of the Old Testament seeking only the riches of heaven, as our first reading in Zephaniah said today. So the poor in spirit, and the attitude for us to seek in being in poor in spirit, is to live an inward detachment from earthly goods, and an attachment to the things of heaven. The Catechism in paragraph 544 says, The kingdom belongs to the poor and the lowly, which means those who have accepted it with humble hearts. Jesus is sent to preach good news to the poor. He declares them blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To them, the little ones, the Father is pleased to reveal what remains hidden from the wise and the learned. Jesus shares the life of the poor from the cradle to the cross. He experiences hunger, thirst, and privation. Jesus identifies himself with the poor of every kind and makes active love toward them the condition for entering his kingdom. This poverty of spirit is the detachment from the things of this world, from our own pride, from our own anxiety, from our own fears, and attached to the things of God and the things that God loves which are his people. St. Augustine goes on to say in his sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, saying that each of the, each of the gifts of the Holy Spirit align with the Beatitudes as well. He says, The poor in spirit exercise the fear of the Lord, which is a gift of reverence for God that awakens the soul to its weaknesses and fosters a childlike fear for the, of the Father. Those who mourn exercise knowledge, the gift that imparts a correct estimation of created things and their relative value before God. The meek exercise piety, the gift of filial love for God that moves the soul to worship and protects against the hardening of one's heart in the midst of trials. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness exercise might or fortitude which is the gift of firm resolution to pursue pursue holiness despite obstacles. The merciful exercise counsel, 
The gift that assists decision-making helps to guard against rashness as an interior guide. It assists one to counsel others and to extend compassion to them. The pure in heart exercise understanding, the gift of insight into the mysteries of faith. It's not mere intellectual understanding, but the spiritual perceptions of the heart. The peacemakers exercise wisdom, the gift of contemplative reflection on and love for divine things. It enables one to assess the world by revealed truth and instills peace in the soul. Jesus goes on to say what it looks like for those who begin to live this out. Those who live out these blessings will be persecuted. People will evil will utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. But he says to be re, to rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. Our reward is not in this life when we live out the things of God. A reward is eternal life. We are reminded that the Catholic Church desires the happiness of each and every single person. But we always have to remember that the church is the body of Christ. And so what the church wants is what Jesus wants. Jesus wants our happiness. What we think will make us happy, the things of the world will often do the opposite, and thus we find ourselves in fear, anxiety, sadness, or even sin. The church puts forth a plan for happiness that Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount. If we believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, then we ought to place our full trust in him and allow him to guide us because he has created us. And so he knows us better than we know ourselves. And when we place our trust in him, we find that happiness that he calls us to. That happiness that is the life in God and that blessedness that we hear about in our gospel today.